Welcome to another edition of the Houston Healthcare Initiative podcast. My name is Harold Nickel. There are few tragedies that surpass bankruptcy, particularly one caused by medical bills. You leave the hospital, recover enough to get back to work, and discover the costs of your treatment are more than you can ever afford to pay. But the debt does not end at the hospital exit. The costs of health care are much more enmeshed in people's lives than just the immediate issue of a hospital stay. The Bureau of Labor Statistics found that in January of 2018, a single month, 4.2 million people missed work due to illness, meaning lost wages and potentially their jobs. The burden extends to other family members too. Helping a family member both in and out of the hospital means missed hours at work, lower pay, and the likelihood that patients will use credit cards to pay their bills. The payment by individuals in the U.S. adds up to an incredible expense to everyone in society. To help us get a better idea of what the total price is to all of us is respected neurologist Dr. Stephen Goldstein. Dr. Goldstein, you've told us before about the outrage that pricing arrangements between hospitals and insurance companies have and how they artificially set prices. But since we add new listeners all the time, can you refresh our memories with an example? Sure. Pricing is based on Medicare charges agreed to by a panel of representatives from physicians, hospitals, and government under the auspices of the AMA. It is a cost-plus system that discourages cost-saving measures. It bears no relation to the free market or supply and demand or how well treatments work or do not work. Healthcare is the only thing that any of us will ever buy where we sign and agree to pay, not knowing what we are buying and how much it could cost. Healthcare is the only industry where the sellers of care, namely insurers, hospitals, pharmaceutical companies, and hospitals, conspire together for pricing contracts with each other, and then hide these pricings from the customers who are the patients, employers, and taxpayers. And it is all legal. No one would ever buy anything, whether a burger or a car, not knowing what the price is in advance. Wow. Given all of that, it is little wonder that people go bankrupt. You have no idea, really, how right you are. Americans are paying more for health care now than ever before, and more than people do in any other advanced country. In 2014, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau found that as many as 43 million Americans carried medical debt on their credit card, and medical bills make up half of all overdue credit card debt. The cost has nothing to do with the quality of care or the complexity of procedure either. An MRI scan in the U.S. can cost as much as $2,500 or more, while in Switzerland, the same scan can cost $500, and in Australia, it's $215. Americans owe an estimated $88 billion in medical debt as of 2018, more than the entire budget for the Department of Education. And one out of every three GoFundMe campaigns is for medical bills. Is there a possibility that a lot of these treatments are optional, or are they things that could be handled some other way than a hospital stay? As right as you were about people going bankrupt, You're way off on this one. It is the opposite. People will put off treatments and exams because they believe they will not be able to afford them. 
In fact, a Pew Research study from 2018 found that 83% of U.S. adults considered medical care, concerning me- considering medical care, think that the cost of treatment makes quality of care unaffordable. This is a myth perpetuated by the insurance company. In fact, the cost of medical treatment can be negotiated, and you can shop for the best value just as if you'd shop for an automobile. In fact, that same MRI scan that hospitals charge $2,500 for can be bought for $350 cash using the same model MRI unit and interpreted by a board-certified radiologist. Okay, but if I have insurance, I should be okay, right? Well, the number of people who are uninsured is staggering, but they do not make up the highest percentage of people who find themselves in medical bankruptcy. More than half of those in this type of trouble have insurance. The high copays and deductibles can add up. Having insurance gives people a false sense of security. But the kind of debt that requires a GoFundMe campaign to pay off seems like a combination of a bad business model from the medical industry that is fully supported by the insurance companies and the government. Is, is bankruptcy the only solution for some people? Well, yes. The managed care model is responsible for the overpricing of medical services. However, patients should understand that medical debt can be negotiated with the hospital prior to declaring bankruptcy. Negotiating with the hospital before the debt becomes overdue can dramatically reduce the amount owed. Otherwise, the hospital will sell the debt to a collection agency. This is a result of financialization of health care. There is an entire industry now based around private entities buying and selling medical debt. Goodness, goodness. How, how, how does that work? Well, for example, say a hospital has $100 million in debt and they don't believe it will actually get that money back. So instead, the hospital sells that debt to a buyer who analyzes the portfolio of debt and figures how much they might be able to collect. The buyer pays, say, 15%. So $15 million goes to the hospital, which now has $15 million more than it did before, and the new debt owner continues trying to get the debtors to pay. Okay, so why do we as a nation tolerate a health care finance system like this? Well, it seems that we're finally waking up as a nation to the problem. I can understand the allure of a single-payer system when a third of cancer survivors go into debt as a result of their medical expenses and 3% of those file for bankruptcy. However, there may be even better ways to finance health care, but we'll leave that for another day. What can people do to avoid medical bankruptcy? First, be prepared to pay the co-pays and deductibles by opening a health savings account. If you put away money faithfully every month while you enjoy good health, money will be there to pay co-pays and deductibles when the unexpected happens. If you fail to save, negotiate. Don't ignore letters from the people you owe money to. Talk to them. They certainly would prefer to work something out with patients than send them to a collection agency where the percentage of money they recover goes way down. Contact the attending physician or the hospital's billing department by letter or in person. Be honest about your current financial situation and see if they can cut down your bill to something more affordable. More often than not, a good faith effort will go a long way with the bankruptcy judge. If you make a monthly payment of at least $5 on each medical account, there are instances where you can be legally protected 
and your wages will not be garnished or at least a lien put on your property. This is not an exhaustive list, but these are some of the most important and effective things patients can do. Wow. Well, un- unhappily, medical debt is a huge problem to the U.S. and many Americans who've faced major health scares face significant financial setbacks afterward, as Dr. Goldstein explained to us. There are practical steps that patients can take that Dr. Goldstein also explained. Negotiating a settlement with the hospital or making arrangements for payment are way ahead of bankruptcy. So investigate those as thoroughly as you are able to before the path of bankruptcy because it's not a good not a good outcome for anybody in those instances. Okay, as always, thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends about us and be sure to come back next time for another edition of the Houston Healthcare Initiative podcast. Welcome to another-